Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming to the Run DNA podcast. This episode, we have kind of a unique, different one. This is from our uh, Helix 3D user group. So many of you may know we talk a lot about gait analysis. We have a 3D motion analysis system that we use that we have over 100 sites over the country that are doing this analysis. And part of that group, we'll also often get together and discuss case studies. So this was one of our first ones that we did, and it's a great example of how we can utilize 3D, geared a little bit more towards our medical and fitness professionals that are really working with runners, but runners might find it interesting what to expect from getting a gait analysis as well and follow somebody that had some IT band pain that was limiting them from uh, participating in marathon training. And we talked through how we can go through some different sessions and, and really help to change their form and also look at holistic plans and how strength comes into it. So it's a really great episode. If you're ever interested in working with runners, this is one that you might want to see what the options are available, and we hope that you enjoy it. Hi, so I'm Kristen Gerlach. Um, I am a physical therapist. I have my own practice um, called Instride Physical Therapy in Edina, Minnesota, and um, I've been open about a year. Um, but the, I had been, you know, working at um, an outpatient clinic here in the Twin Cities, and just I'm a lifelong runner pretty dedicated runner and just runners were always the highlight of my day. And so just kind of took a leap and opened my own practice, focusing on runners and bought the 3D gate analysis. So, yeah. You've been doing a great job with it. I know we've talked about cases along the way and, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's become a staple of, of your practice. And I think you do a really great job and, um, you know, that area is lucky to have you doing that. Yeah. So. Thank you. <laughs> Um, Kristen, thank you for joining us here. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, we've chatted a little bit about the case ahead of time. I think it's a good example, um, but we're looking to really start to um, be able to give more examples and have some discussion. So those of you who see a couple of viewers there now, um, you can put any questions in the comments and we'll see them as they go and we'll bring them up on screen and we'll kind of chat about some of that stuff as well. So if you have questions or things you want us to cover, um, just put those in the comment section and we'll go over and we're going to try to put some of these in the discord channel for people to be able to go back and view. We know not everyone's able to make it a lunch. So um, if someone can just put a comment in there now so that I can make sure that that's working. Um, and then while we're doing that, uh, Christian, why don't you introduce the case to us and kind of give us, let's just start off with, you know, who the patient is, um, and then some of your findings and kind of what you saw before we get into intervention kind of stuff. We'll pause before any like interventions. Sure. So he was a 30 year old man. Um, he had gotten into running. He had done a marathon, I think, um, a couple years ago. Um, and then it kind of fell off with running again and then had recently gotten back into it. Um, I first saw him in October of last year, but from February to May, he was um, he had been trying to build back mileage and just had been struggling with ITB pain on his left side um, and just just really couldn't you know get rid of it. And he did go to another PT in July and was given strengthening, you know, was doing a lot of clamshells and he, he did get somewhat better. Um, but then in August, he was trying to build his mileage again and it was just getting worse and he was just getting really frustrated. Um, and so I can't remember how, how if he um, how he heard about 3D gate analysis, but that's why he came as he was really interested in that. And um, 
so yeah, he came in and um, initially, um, this is this wasn't the first visit. This was the second visit, um, but you know it was um, an overstrider with low knee drive. Um, I don't know. Can they see the numbers right now? Yeah, everyone should be able to see it, but maybe you could play it and just kind of read off some of the key numbers here in case sure. there's eyesight uh, straining there with it. Yeah, yeah. So I'll turn to the side so you can really see. I mean, he's on the ground a long time. This was running um, at 7.5 miles per hour, so an eight-minute eight, eight mile, um, but he's on the ground over 200 milliseconds, um, landing, you know, 35 and 33 centimeters from his center of mass. Uh, a little bit more of a foot inclination angle that we'd like to see. We'd like to see him with a little bit flatter foot. And then especially on the left, which was the symptomatic side, had a pretty high uh, angle of tibial inclination. What was it there just for, for people? Oh, yeah, it's seven degrees flexion seven on the degrees. left compared to two degrees on the on the right. And then the strike from center mass was 35 centimeters on the left and 33 centimeters on the right. So some noticeable asymmetries there for sure. With yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Was uh, running antalgic while like during the evaluation? Was he having pain? No, no. I think he had to he had to run longer before it would show up. Um, okay. But he, yeah, but he couldn't. Um, you know, he just couldn't build his weekly mileage because it was it was limiting him at at um, at a certain point there. And where would it show up? Like, wh what was the first symptom that he felt like? Where just that classic lateral knee pain? Okay. With it band. And did you describe it as like sharp or just like, like a dull, dull aching? Dull achy. Okay. Kind of right. enough that and and you know I think he was it, it bothered him that it hurt yes. that much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's... There was some anxiety around the pain as well. Like, why is this still hurting? Why isn't this getting better? I'm yeah. doing my clamshells and it's still hurting. Or got better for a while, and now I'm doing more running, and it's hurting again. And this video is a good example too of somebody that does have that lower profile of that overstrider knee drive, where when you look at the tracking markers, so the red and blue lines at the knee and at the ankle, you just see how it looks like they're just on the ground for a long time, and a lot of that's happening kind of behind the body, and that's putting a lot of that's just changing the mechanics and what we're seeing, and it this is very characteristically. Um, instead of the knee marker looking more like a U, it kind of just slopes off into almost like a backwards J. And instead of the lower one being like a teardrop, you just see how that looks more like the back of an elliptical. And I just always make sure, I think for the runner, it's really helpful to, to see that and to be explained this is different. Like I, I want it to look like this and yours looks like this. When you're giving cues, that makes a big difference for somebody to be able to understand like, oh, this is what you want me to do? Okay. All right. I got it. Yeah. I see what you're saying. My foot's on the ground for a long time there. I need to get that off. And and don't be afraid to pause and even show them, right? Like one of the things I do with overstrider is, hey, look, this is what your left leg looks like. Does that look like you're braking or like you're accelerating? Like, yeah. I like to show them like the initial contact. Yes. And yep. especially if they have like a really extended knee, they, they're like, oh, I shouldn't be landing like that. Like they know, like most people know, like you don't want to land with your knee in near full extension. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So they, uh, people are getting more aware of that kind of stuff. Can you show the left side from the left side? Yeah. So we yeah. Can like see the right versus left there. There we go. Yeah. Yep. So you can definitely see that as well, um, which is interesting. And 35 and 33, right? Those numbers, we want those to be around 27, ideally. Um, right. So 
we well, say is a threshold, but 27 would be better. Right. I think you've said for a high performance runner. And so this runner has pretty lofty goals. He wants to run a sub three hour marathon. Um, and so, and when, when you tell, when you tell people that too, like, well, 29, but you know, for high performance runner looking to, you know, sub three, I would say that qualifies 27. They, it really, people are, oh, geez, you know, what do I need to do to get that? That objective data and, and this asymmetry, especially when it's on their involved side. Right. When it's not on their involved side, then then we kind of start having the question of, well, are is this the painful side because you're compensating or is this the painful side because of your mechanics? Right. And we don't want to overstate too much of what we know versus what we don't know. But we can start to say, hey, my theory is this. So let's try to reduce the stress. And because I had somebody come in the other day and it was like I would have 100 percent looking at the file been like, what's wrong with the right leg? but they were left symptomatic. So we have to be able to kind of describe some of those things based on what we're seeing and have a hypothesis and say, so here's what I want to start with. So what did you do for this runner? Like drills, exercises, gait retraining? What was your right. plan here? Yeah, so um, they did have tight calves. So they got the squat um, ankle dorsiflexion program. Um, he wasn't doing other than like his exercises, like the clamshells that the other PT had given him, he wasn't doing a lot of general strength. Okay. And so I always talk to people like, especially again, if you're someone that's looking to run a three hour marathon, like the, the faster you want to run, the forces are going to be greater just overall, you kind of have to earn that right to, to do yeah. that. And, and you need like some general strength training. Um, so we got him going with some of that. And then the gait retraining, he responded really well to cues for knee drive, Great. Um, played soccer growing up. So the cue about kneeing the soccer ball into the forward wall worked really good for him. Um, and then just getting his feet off the ground. So he, he was one that just responded really well to that. Although it's kind of funny because at one point, I think it was, um, not this visit, but after he played with it for a few weeks and he came back and he looked great. And he said, I just, I just feel kind of ridiculous. Like my knees, like it felt different to him to have his lifting his knees. And he felt like it was like too exaggerated. And so I videoed him with my phone <laughs> and showed him and he was like, Oh, I look really good. I don't, I don't yeah. look ridiculous. I look really good. It just felt so different to be lifting his knees a little bit more that he thought it was over exaggerated. But once he saw himself, he's like, Oh, that looks really good. That's a great, like, and that's a really helpful thing. And I do that a lot of time too, especially with lean too. When somebody feels like they're changing their forward lean angle, they'll feel like they're about to fall over. And then you show them a video, you're like, hey, look, you're like pretty upright still. Like you're not actually even leaning that much forward. And they're like, no, I felt like I was a ski jumper about to take off. So um, maybe uh, can you show the video of like, if you have a couple of the videos, like what did the initial gait retraining look like? You know, where did you leave it? Um, and then maybe let's do the load reference and, and kind of even show the start to the finish there. Yeah. Yeah. So the, like this same session, let me see here. So that would have been, I think this is where we ended up by right. Good. That meant it was the good capture for yep. the day. So this is just, you know, I think we spent most of this session on, on the gate retraining. And so, I mean, you can see already he was at 200 yeah. um, and 176, 177, even the symmetry is better. Like the stiffness went up and much more symmetrical. Yeah. Um, still a little bit longer, you know, strike from center mass than we'd like, but you know, 31 and 29 is, is better. 
um, that tibial inclination now one degree flexion versus I think it was seven on yeah. the first one. Um, foot is in a much flatter position. Much. Um, yeah. So yeah. Let's watch it. Let's see kind of view there, but it's a good, so um, I'd be curious why a uh, good, yeah. Like that's a good change in that curve, right? So when the knee position is right, it almost, if you look at it, it's actually almost an infinity symbol where they go in and out of it there. And that's what I'm looking for, as opposed to being like a roller coaster or one of those like pirate ships at a carnival. It's a bit more of actually of a infinity symbol there um, when they go through it in the appropriate way. And that's a good example of it there of how it changed. So why do you think his, um, this is a loaded question. Why do you think his um, straight from center of mass didn't go down as much as you would like considering that he did a really nice job of kind of changing some of the mechanics with tibial inclination and foot inclination and like why did a strike from center of mass not go down as much right that's a good question i think i actually maybe messaged you about this too um i almost think he maybe just needed more time to mm -hmm. to you know settle into it because when he came back a month later um it looked it looked better um and, you know, maybe some of it, the ankle dorsiflexion range wasn't there. Yeah. Um, and so he needed to get that to be able to, you know, to get his foot a little bit more under right. his knee when he was landing. Yeah, those are all things, too. And look at the forward lean angle, though. Like, what's his forward oh, lean angle? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't leaning forward. So that's one, like, if you see that sometimes even if they improve those things, like one of our, some of our primary concerns are around tibial inclination and foot inclination and some of those parameters that we look at initial contact, that's what our, that's what we're looking to have an effect on. But if the strike from center of mass doesn't match the changes of what we're seeing, most often that's because of like that forward lean angle. And now I used to, this is a good scenario here because i used to talk about this even uh differently and i i don't know the answer to this now of why their forward lean angle goes down my theory originally was that as they're driving the knee forward more um they need more posterior chain activation to kind of uh, overcome the increased trajectory of the knee but an interesting thing came up in a gait analysis I was doing the other day that a lot of times when we do this, we significantly reduce their braking forces. So they're not hitting the ground as much. So they might feel unsafe, like they're going to fall forward. So that's something I've started asking people like, do you feel like you're about to fall when you do this? And then I'll use the cue or I'll use the drill of putting a strap around their waist and getting them comfortable in that position because they're just not, they don't feel safe because their braking force is reduced and they're not as much reduction in their forward uh, propulsion. So they kind of feel like, oh, shoot, like I, I might fall on my face with this. So I'm not sure. I think it could vary by person whether their lack of forward lean is a result of them driving the knees more or if it is more that like there's less braking force and therefore they, they feel like they're going to topple over. So that is really interesting um, because I see this a lot where you get people driving their knees and then they're a glute amnesiac. Yes. Um, and that I, I, I like what you're saying about that, that we've kind of taken away that braking. And so it just mm -hmm. is like they feel like they got to lean back because they're going to fall over. Yeah. 
Uh, so I, it's interesting. I don't know if anyone else uh, that's viewing has some thoughts or comments on that of things that they've seen as well. And um, this might be a good discussion point in Discord channel to have some more. Maybe we'll highlight this part of the, the conversation. I'm going to hit bookmark here on uh, so that we can even like look to, um, you know, review some of this conversation. But it's it's I think it's an interesting point. And because how we would overcome the two would be different. Right. Um, most of it, we're really looking to get a little more posterior chain activation and get them comfortable leaning forward. But would we do it from a, hey, experience this and realize you're not going to fall over type thing and how we talk about it? Or is it a physiological thing that, you know, you're just opposing the force of your knees. So we just need to get you forward there. Um, you know, I might use a wall fall drill for somebody that the braking force is reduced, whereas in other ways, you know, you might just do some overhead squat type things and, and then get them to do it that way. So, um, you know, I, I think it's an interesting point about how to how to really approach the two and, and why is that the case uh, of that they become a glute amnesiac as soon as they drive their knee. Um, so can you um, load the reference of the baseline and then let's look at the follow-up one here too, because I love that you had a follow-up one about a month later and I'd like to see that as yeah, well. So let's, let's do- You want me to do the- um, Let's do his baseline. The one, the first one that you showed The first us one there. of this session. Okay, yes. Yeah. You know, he's, he had a, he came a bunch of times. So he has a lot of them. Yeah, um, back to the maybe here. bring it back to the beginning here, oh, right? There we, go. there we go. So this one, the blue one, is his original form, or the one he came back with? I was yeah. So the, the 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 one I always tell them, this is the ghost, is the old yes. you. Yes. Yeah. Old you. Yeah. Yep. So you yeah. can see the difference of like that curve is really different. And if you bring it like go back to the start where they're synced up and look at the difference in initial context. So if you go here. Um, and on this, all right, pause there at the, the next time left contact and go to initial contact there. Yeah. And just look at the difference in the foot position. Um, you know, just the angle of the shin is really apparent. I line it up just like that, where you can say, Hey, look at the difference mm -hmm. in your shin. look at the difference in your foot. You can really see that that's a big, um, impact there from it. And that's, that's often kind of the money shot there that people really want to want to see with it. So, um, okay. So why don't we just, uh, close the reference and let's open yeah. up just the, the follow-up one when it came back a month later. And maybe you can, as you're opening that up, say, you know, what did he do? Did he do the traditional gait retraining plan? Um, you know, how did that go? What did the, you know, why did you go a month before the next one versus having them? It sounded like he did a bunch of follow-ups, but yeah, the plan after the initial gate analysis. Um, you know, I, I Thanksgiving was in there, so that may have been why it was. It was about four weeks later okay. that he that he came back. So I I w maybe would have done it sooner. I I don't I don't remember why. But yeah. so this is this is a the follow-up. Um, so he came back and. Um, so now the strike from center of mass yeah. is um, 28. Um, so he was able to maintain that. Um, got a little bit higher again with the foot inclination, but tibial inclination yeah. was in a good place. And the forward lean angle is is better. Um, so he here. got more comfortable. With, you see, he kind mm -hmm. of adopted a little bit higher of a butt kick um, yeah. for it. Um, Gustavo had a good question that might relate to some of this too. Like, you know, what shoes was he wearing? there yeah know? um 
That's a good question. I I would have to um, I can look maybe in the app here and see if it says. Let's see here. Um, it's an interesting question too, just because of the stack height and how that can have an effect on some of these things. Um, right. The um, while we're talking about shoes, so this I mean, would have been on the twenty second. It looks like he had the Saucony Triumph on. Okay. <laughs> He's yeah. got a lot of shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go through a couple different people ones will there. do that too. They'll bring in, but I I do often often look at that while they're here. I can't I don't remember the stack heights or the heel drops. I always have to look them up because there's so many yeah. shoes now. But I sometimes right. will do that. Yeah. Um, so what did you do for him when you did this? What did your what did your plan look like that day? Like what did you do for him? What uh, you know, what was the plan moving forward? Did you do more drills? Kind of. I think we did work more on drills and just um, driving that leg, like kind of straight to the ground. You know, when you, you're, you're driving it through and then just trying to get it down with that foot in a little flatter position. Did you try like that's that's maybe where the shoe is. One of the things I do a lot of time, this is where I use barefoot running as a drill. Yeah, you know, I think I had not. I've heard you write or speak about that since and I didn't have that in my head. This yeah, back in November, but yeah, because what was tibial inclination was still good, right? Right. So you know, tibia is in the right position. So now we're kind of like, ah, well, he's habituated to more of that rear foot landing pattern style, um, and it's not necessarily that we we need to always get rid of that, right? But we could see, hey, if we're looking at braking forces and impact, maybe we do want to modulate that or or change a little bit there. Um, so, you know, that might be something that just reduces some of that foot inclination angle, just using that as a drill, not necessarily mm -hmm. having to say, I want you to run barefoot or I want you to transition to a minimalist shoe. It's the proprioception of, do you feel the difference between the two? Okay. How do you get there? you know, shod in shoes versus non-shod without shoes, making sure that that's something that they're able to to see there. So um, I had a, another good. client that had kind of the same issue. And with him, we tried having him just start walking on the treadmill. But instead of, you know, with walking, normally you make heel contact, having him try to walk more with like a forefoot, you yeah. know, kind of that flatter foot position and then slowly take it up to a jog. Um, so that was something I've tried with somebody else. Yeah. Reducing the demand, right? Like yeah. sometimes you can manipulate speed as well to say, Hey, you know, maybe you should try this at seven miles an hour instead of seven and a half miles an hour. Right. Um, if somebody's having trouble with, it's a good point that we shouldn't always state that their selected easy run speed is what should be their easy run speed. And that's part of doing the gait analysis is trying to help them figure out, well, hey, you might need to just take a step back for a second, like get used to the movement pattern that reduces some of the demand, but don't be afraid to manipulate the speed a little bit too. And then say, inch it up as you get more comfortable, spend some time there, focus on it. Um, and this is one that would be another good chance to even do the live gait retraining. Right. Sure. Yeah. I think we, I did do that with him. Did you? I think we did. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I've done that with a number of people and um, it's, it's really powerful tool. I think that's one of the biggest things there is being able to see this. You can bring up graphs or you can bring this up and they can kind of see what those, again, this is where I use those heat maps. I call them of the blue and the red streaks, basically, where you use that 
is a great gate retraining tool to let somebody understand like, hey, I want it to look like more of this. And then they play around with it live to see how that feels. So that might be something that is is really helpful as well um, to see that. So that's um, that that's a, a good one to use as well here. But I like some of the concepts. So um, so, yeah, tell us more about how the rest of the case went and where you wound up. And yeah. So um, the last time he was here then was in January. Oops, let's just do that one. And um, we looked at him slow and he looked really good. So then. And, and he'd been, you know, now he's had a couple of months where he's been doing some pretty consistent strength training. He's the drills are kind of a regular um, part of his routine. Um, he's building his mileage. He's not having any knee pain. Um, so he was really happy about that. And then he's doing some faster running. So this was at 8.5 miles um, per hour. And he still, um, you know, kind of has that little bit more of an aggressive foot position, but, you know, the strike from center mass has gone from, you know, mid thirties now to, to 27 on that left, but he was 29 on the right. Yeah. Um, you know, again, a, a little bit higher tibial inclination here, um, but, you know, good symmetry with ground contact, yeah. um, good symmetry with the stiffness. Could, I think we did do some stuff on forward lean after this, just to try to get him um leaning forward a little bit better there yeah but that's better i mean it was i think three or four now you're at the five kind of range right it's, yeah you know, yes right yeah yeah this case like another good example of we need to get 10 percent like that's all we need to get right so changing that tibial inclination and going from 35 to 29 is a huge benefit and it's an example of how this enabled him to train at the speed that he wants and this person you don't have to fix everything all at once this is somebody that like I assume that this is kind of a long-term client for you now, right? They're going to be checking on some of the stuff. You're going to do things. Maybe you're going to bring them back in and be like, Hey, I got an idea. And you're going to start doing some more barefoot stuff with them. Um, right. You know, that that's somebody that can be a long-term client. You can work on some of these things together with um, there, which is really helpful. Right. And, yeah. He, um, he is somebody that really bought into everything. Yeah. Everything that I was selling, I mean, you know, the, from just the form to the strength yeah. training to to everything. Um, and so, yeah, he I, he doesn't have any more appointments set up right now, but he's in Minnesota. People are a lot of people train for grandma's marathon. So they're going to yeah. be starting their their training here soon. So I imagine I'll hear from some of these people during their build. Yes. Oh, I'm sure. That's awesome. Yeah, this is a really uh, good case. If if people have questions about some of the numbers or some of the things like that, I mean, the other thing I look at, like consistently his stiffness has gone up too. I know yes. there's some questions in Discord about that stiffness and a symmetric. Um, you know, we do really like to see that number go up symmetrically. Um, so that's a really good example of, of here how some improved form might, from a performance standpoint, we can get a little... Uh, area of hey, this might really help out too. So, um, yeah. I find that, that stiffness number is a great number to get buy-in from oh, people yeah. when you explain like how it, I think it's, it's kind of measuring the efficiency of your leg as a spring, yes. you know, storing and releasing that energy. And you know, that stiffness in this case is a good thing because they always think stiffness is bad. And it's like, no, it's good. It's like free energy when you're, you know, pushing off like half your power yeah. is just that passive recoil so you who doesn't want free energy at you know mile 22 of a marathon and you can just see the light bulb is like okay you know <laughs> 
That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. And it's, that's exactly how I use the metric as well too. to say, this is freebies, right? Maximize how efficient is your body at being springy. And, you know, this is where at this point, another opportunity to work with his clients, Hey, you know, make that spring even more efficient. We should look at the loading levels and we should right. look at your, like your jumping efficiency and see where you're at and see if there's even more that could be gotten there for somebody that has a high performance thing. That's a great way to even go about it and say, let's, let's look at loading levels next. So, you know, call this person back up and say, Hey, I got some more drills. That's going to help out even make it a little bit better, but stage it. It's over three or four months, right? This person, uh, you know, depending on the severity of their injury, they might not need to come in one or two times a week. They might be able to come in every other week or once a month kind of thing, just to check up on it and get them in the habit of like refining and working on these things. Cause, um, I think it's, it's really helpful and the runners need feedback. That's the whole point of, of using some of this 3D analysis is to give that feedback and to let them uh, be able to uh, experience that and know what they're doing because they have no clue what they're doing when they're running. And they can replicate a feel much better than they can replicate a cue. So we want to give them that feel. Yeah, th I think those are great. Those are great tips. Yeah. I think sometimes once they're feeling better and they're all happy about that, like I, I, sh I should mention the loading levels and all that. <laughs> That, that's where loading levels really comes in. It's in the long term. And, and right. also he bought into the strength. So this is where you can start to say, hey, like we should redo your strength program for you. We can redo some of those things. Um, so, yeah, if um, if we're looking at some of those things, I think it's really important that we consider just the whole athlete and not just the gait. The gait's a critical part, but we should be looking at their form. We should be looking at some of the things, you know, Gustavo was asking about his shoes. We should be saying, why don't you bring in a couple of different pairs of shoes? Let's see which one is better for you right now and see if it does have an impact. Um, and maybe there would be some benefit to going to a lighter weight shoe for him. So uh, yeah, really good case. I do really appreciate uh, you sharing there. Um, all right. Well, we're going to keep right at about 30 minutes. So uh, we're looking to do more of these. Love feedback from people about this. We're going to post this in the group for people to check out. But hopefully having these, you know, one or two a month as a way just to share some thoughts and what people are doing will will help everyone kind of come up and, and bring their practices up uh, together here. So uh, thanks for being the first one. Yeah, <laughs> my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Like what you hear? Leave a review of the show wherever you listen, and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Run DNA helps runners and running specialists through education and technology to identify each runner's unique injury profile to avoid setbacks and maximize results. The Run DNA podcast is produced by Ace Running LLC. The Run DNA podcast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can occur. Always seek the guidance of qualified medical professionals before making healthcare decisions. Find us online at rundna.com.